the U.S. government was giving the current standard issue infantry rifle. Hey guys, welcome to Whiskey, Lead, and Steel. Feelings hurt while you wait. The official podcast of Aggressive Defensive Solutions. And if you're quiet for just a second, you might hear the Navy flying overhead. Or maybe not. We'll see. Keeping but us safe. Keeping us safe. Rust pickers, as uh, the great Santini called them. <laughs> yeah. um, that's, that's good. So, so, you know, going back to something like, like the great Santini. That's, uh, so today, we're going to talk about the evolution of kind of modern gunfighting schools. Which right? is a pretty cool thing yeah. uh, when you stop to think about it. Yeah, it is. It is. So, you know, so what do you think? All right. Where do we start? Yeah, so uh, I've got a pretty cool perspective on this, I think, in that, um, so anybody who's old, older than us, um, and was involved in law enforcement, special operations, that kind of thing, then they've heard of um, Mid-South, Ray Chapman, Thunder Ranch, um, but everybody, it seems like, has heard of Blackwater USA and the Blackwater Lodge, and um, a lot of people feel different ways about that, but I'm actually pretty proud of the fact that I was a I was early on. I was one of the staff instructors down at Blackwater USA. I went to work there in October of '99. We had like nine ranges and no no grass on the berms yet. There were like four buildings on the property, and then it blew up. But um, where and how that came from, and so um, there's the the whole evolution of it is actually pretty interesting. We stop thinking about it. so. A uh, guy by the name of Jeff Cooper, Colonel Cooper, uh, Marine Corps uh, Lieutenant Colonel, reservist type, uh, came back from World War II and came back from Korea and found essentially gunfighting, especially pistol craft, that was his big thing, um, was just kind of lacking back in the old days. I mean, it's, you know, you stood kind of like a fencing stance broadways and stuck your 1911 out there at arm's length and blasted away and, you know, shot your 1911 at 50 yards for qualification and standing stock still. And what he found from his combat experience was that that really didn't work out all that well. And then the other aspect of it too was kind of the psychological aspect of it. Um, so he started Gunsight out in the middle, out in the southwest and for a long time Gunsight was it. That was, that's all there was. Um, and it took a little while to get some traction but then it became the thing. And I mean um Early on, the Green Beret guys, the guys who were Green Berets, and the SEAL teams, and LAPD, their SWAT team, and uh, uh, tactical teams, all those guys, they all ended up going out there, and uh, he wrote a bunch of good books uh, that were really good for the time, mm -hmm. I think of all some. And then, you know, other people realized what he was doing, and they started copying him. Uh, mm -hmm. you, know, you had Ray Chapman, who was a competitive uh, shooter, and a championship shooter who kind of did his own thing down at Mid-South and brought people in. And over the years, it just, it grew and grew and grew. So now we kind of have, and the facilities are kind of falling off. And I think that's because most military and law enforcement agencies have figured out that they've become less risk averse over the years. And so they're willing to, to yeah, train yeah. on their facilities. Most definitely. Yeah, because yeah. when we were both young men mm -hmm. in the military in the Cold War, right, was the uh, was the brigadier general who owned whatever army fort you were on? Did he want you guys running and gunning? 
No, no, it was it, everything was zero risk. Right? Yeah. E everything was zero risk. Everything, you know. <clears throat> of course, early on there was the zero defect concept. Oh yeah. Right, but but the, the zero risk, right? No, nobody, you can't do any training in which somebody's going to get could get hurt. Could get hurt. Because then right. I'm not going to pick up another star. Right. Well, it, it was um, one of our, um, it wasn't combat because it was, it was the years before that. Um, one of the peacekeeping missions, uh -huh. um, I, I remember a, a friend of mine being at the, the change command for the, the theater commander. Yeah. And his proudest, his proudest accomplishment was he lost no soldiers. And and don't get me wrong, I mean, that's that it's great, but he had spent his entire time as a theater commander, keeping everyone inside the wire, and we were nothing more than a presence that was in country. Right. There was a lot of bad things that had backslid in that region, and I don't remember all of the details or, or who it was, and, and you know, but but it was again we're going back to pre 9/11. We're going back to the 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 90s, and the mindset was very very different at that point. And risk averse. I, I can't lose a soldier because that looks bad on me, and you know we're we're, we're in a different spot now. It's a, I, I, I never want to lose any soldiers, but at the same time, in order to train for missions, in order to, to do missions, uh, it's it's a dangerous game, right? Yeah. War fighting is a dangerous game. Yeah. And it, right? and it, if you're going to fight like you're trained, mm -hmm. like if you're going to fight like you train, then you're going to have to train like you fight. Mm -hmm. And if you are training the way that you are fighting, it doesn't matter what the training is. Mm -hmm. You have to get out there and get on the edge. Mm -hmm. You know, um, there's. There's a reason that these guys who are who are pilots, the guys who are mm -hmm. screaming around over our head right now, right. they're out here doing touch and goes in the dark, in the dark. you know, mm -hmm. with instruments only. Well, that's fucking dangerous. Mm -hmm. But if you're gonna put that thing down in the middle of the night on in the North Atlantic in a rainstorm, you, you're you, gonna have to practice doing you gotta, it. Yeah, and, practice that. You know, you're gonna have mm -hmm. to so much of the training that we do and, and that's some of the stuff that we, we come up with as a as a means of training mm -hmm. at the competitions is okay get out of breath get mm -hmm. your heart rate up create some fog in your brain try to confuse yourself you know all of that so that you can recreate the stress to it so that you can work through the stress mm -hmm. and also so that you can you can practice doing Outside of the box stuff and stuff that's not inherently safe. And and, and I think what you just said is, is right hit the nail on the head. I, I believe that when we were going through the nineties, and and of course before that, yeah. there was the 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 we conflated unsafe and dangerous. Yes. Right. And and, and those are those in my mind and, and the later part of my career are, are two different things. Oh yeah. And number one, you, you do a risk assessment and you try to get rid of the things that are unsafe. Yes. Right? But some training, there there's a level of inherent danger 
and you work to minimize that, right? Yeah. That's that's the reason why we have the the crazy big risk assessments yep. that we used to do. Protocols, right? And and, and I think that's it. I think I think one of the things that that the military has gotten better with mm -hmm. uh, is understanding how to manage that risk. Because don't, don't get me wrong, as I talked about this earlier, you know, putting people in those situations wasn't because I don't care and we should just run around. They, you know, if they die, they die. Not, not, not at all, right? That that was that was not my uh, that my point. I'm not looking for angry comments on that, but but it was the fact that we do have to we do have to increase the level of risk in order to do that. Going to Desert Storm, you know, we we engaged in live fire maneuver under live fire right, as, a, as a unit. I'm putting 60 rounds on an objective while I've got my platoon mates, you know, moving in on the objective. And they pop, you know, they pop smoke. I see smoke. We lifted and shifted. But they were running into a hail of friendly fire. Yeah. I look back at that as one of those things that that was, that was, I think, when I was going to Desert Storm, the first time I realized, yeah, we're going to war. Yeah. Because we're, we're training and I can kill people. Yep. Yeah. In, yep. in this training yep. exercise. Yep. And, and that's, you know, and it was controlled and, and we sure. did the crawl, we did the walk, we did the run, and there was a lot of controls over that in order to to make sure. Yeah. But, you know. Because you can't get your concealed weapons permit last weekend and then this weekend go start doing building clearing. Live. You shouldn't. Yeah. In your own house when you got home from the movies. Yeah. Do right. people go to the movies anymore? Yeah, I went. I went you this came back from your friend's house where you were Netflixing and chilling. I went, I went to what did you say? Uh, uh, Ant Man and Wasp. The Marvel. It came out a long time ago. No, no, no. This is this is the one that just came out. Oh, this is the one Adrian was talking about. Yeah, it's got Paul Rudd in it. It was actually pretty good. Yeah, he's it was good. actually pretty good. Yeah, okay, all right, whatever. I'm not gonna talk about it, but it was pretty good. I mean, in the grand scheme of things, they 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 did a really good job. I think of with what they had to work with, they did a great job. Yeah, because so. Scarlett Johansson wasn't in it, was he? No, 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 she wasn't. All right. So anyway. So, but anyway. Yeah. But. So that's what you got to do. So you know, we did. You, know, you're right. We did run through some stuff. You yes. know, in, in getting from, you know pre-World War II, right? I mean, yeah. everything was, was stand there and arm behind the back and yeah. out with the pistol. Yeah. Um, you know, we were reading one of the, the monographs that, that, that we'd gotten that was talking about the bullet weight or bullet size and mm -hmm. caliber and all that. Yeah. And, you know, it was shortly thereafter World War II, the Army went back and reintroduced or, or introduced um for their rifle qualifications, and actually a um, qualification that actually re required some some skill yeah. in, in different in different um, not just a test different terrains, right? Yeah. yeah, it was you know you know using um, using barricades and uh, you know there's rubble piles and, and, and you mm -hmm. know, firing from from different types of obstacles. Mm -hmm. 
Um, and of course, you know, they did away with that because it was it was hard. Right? Yes. Right. And it became hard to do that. So we fall back to here's a here's a defensive fighting position foxhole, right? And here go lay on the ground, right? And and the army's now reintroduced, you know, a, yeah. a you know a prescriptive set of 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 qualifications that requires you to show competency over different types of yeah. skills. But, you know, but I think you're right. Looking back at, at the evolution of some of those schools, bringing, you know, and of course, Jeff Cooper was more towards some law enforcement and, and those yeah. types of aspects. Yeah. Right? So. But it, because, well, so when he got started, mm -hmm. it was one of those ideas that was a revolutionary idea. And so right. you had a lot of folks in the, in the law enforcement community, not the military community, but the law enforcement community said, hey, this is kind of a good idea. So people started coming up. And, of course, back then also... That's when IPSC mm -hmm. and USPSA and IDPA all got started. Mm -hmm. And so you had all these cops and, and, and former military people who were out there shooting competitions. Mm -hmm. So there was there was a, a huge, obviously, I don't think there were more people shooting competitions then, but I think there was a greater percentage of the population was doing it. Because a greater, popu well, greater pop percentage of the population had been in the military. Well, and you had the CMP. Yeah, right? yeah, yeah. That was the big yeah. rise of the CMP yeah. during during that that, yep. that phase as well. So yeah. that was the come shooting CMP and you do enough and yeah, we'll, we'll give you we'll, we'll give you an M one. We'll give you a grand. <laughs> you, get, yeah. you get a grand for shooting. Yeah, but so uh, mm -hmm. so those schools came out and then because we should be an armed population. Yes, we should right? be. That was that was we the should be we should be a, the we should be a well trained armed population. And and that was the point of the civilian so marksmanship like, program, right? So then the U.S. government mm -hmm. was giving away, if you qualified, mm -hmm. the current standard issue infantry rifle. Hmm. So that would be like if they gave away semi-automatic M16s. Oh, AR-15s. So the government said, you should have the same guns that the soldiers have. Mm -hmm. And here you can have one. Right. In fact, if you come shoot enough, you can have a bunch of them. Right. Right. You can have more, yeah. you can have more than one. Yep. Absolutely. Yep. Because. My health things have changed. Because, because you could arm your whole block. You could. You right. Could. And then you so, could get on Eisenhower's brand new interstate and go anywhere <laughs> you need to defeat the communists. That's right. Ah, not a good old days. That was the good old days. That, that was the good old days. Okay, so so that was a rabbit hole. That was a rabbit. So hole. so we we saw Alice. We did. We chased her around a little bit. Let, yeah. Let's let's come back up. All right. Um, but back to Jeff Cooper. Yes. Right. So Jeff Cooper. What most people know Jeff Cooper for is the Cooper color code, right? Mm -hmm. He's the guy who came up with that. Um, and that's one of the big things that, um. That gunsight was about was not just the mechanics of it, mm -hmm. but it was also the whole mindset about being a gunfighter. Mm -hmm. So he came up with the Cooper Color Code, and the Cooper Color Code stayed like it was, I want to say, until the like the late 70s, early 80s. Mm -hmm. And I forget who it was. If I don't know this is a fact, and if I'm giving credit to the wrong guy, uh, I hope the right guy doesn't get mad and want to punch me in the face. It was a long time ago. Yeah, but I want to say maybe Masada Yub had something to no. do with this. I think so. Um, but anyway, okay. well, so what, Jeff, was the, what was the original? So the original one was white 
yellow, orange, and red, right? Um, which makes sense when you figure these are jarhead because you wouldn't worry about panic. Um, so white, of course, being absolutely at rest, not knowing what's going on and being oblivious to your surroundings, right? Um, which is where the vast majority of people find themselves. And the nice thing about the color code is that it's applicable to everything. It's applicable to driving down the mm -hmm. road. It's certainly applicable to carrying a gun for defensive purposes or, or for offensive purposes. Um, so you've got white, which is right there, you know, curled up on the couch watching Yellowstone with your favorite bourbon mm -hmm. um, with, your, with your young lady on your arm. Then you've got yellow. And yellow is just the baseline. It's you're aware that there, there's the potential for problems. Right? Mm -hmm. You get in your car and you drive down the interstate, you go, okay, there could be an idiot on his cell phone. So I mm -hmm. need to watch out for that. We generally, we live in yellow. Right. Outside the house, that's... that's, that's the, we should. We should. The vast uh, majority of people you know do what? not. You, you, you finish. You finish. And I, I, have a, I, have a, I have a different addition to the yeah. for color code. That, yeah. Uh, go ahead. So, so, so you've got yellow, which is just being aware that there could be problems out there. Mm -hmm. And then... So you recognize there could be problems, so I should be aware of that. Mm -hmm. right? um, and then you move into orange. And orange is when you've determined that there is a likely problem. There's a likely threat. There's a likely issue. And you decide then primary, secondary, tertiary plan. And you figure what your trigger point is. Right. So um, when I was a cop, what they said was, so when you're in 7-Eleven getting your coffee, and the guy comes in and it's July in Virginia and he's wearing a coat, a big heavy coat, and he's looking around and he's all sketchy. Then you go, oh, this is something. Mm -hmm. and you go from yellow while I'm there getting my coffee to orange. This guy could be a problem. And if he becomes a problem, then I'm going to do this. Realistically, I think probably a better analogy is you're driving down some road that you're familiar with. Mm -hmm. And you're coming up on an intersection that you're familiar with that people blow that light all the time. Mm -hmm. So you go, okay, I'm coming up to the intersection of whatever, Independence mm -hmm. and Virginia Beach Boulevard. And I know that they have a tendency to run that light. So I'm going to go all the way through the intersection. So I'm going to start watching the cross street as I come up. And I see that there's a car coming and he's moving quick. And I go, okay, look around. And I go, all right, if he doesn't get on his brakes and stop, if he runs through the intersection, because I've got a green light, if he runs, I'm going to get in the left-hand lane and lock up my brakes and hope that he goes past me. If I get there before he does and he blows through the stop bar, then I'm going to get in the left-hand lane, create some space, get on the gas, haul ass through, and hopefully he'll go behind me. Mm -hmm. Primary and secondary plan. And then he looks up from his cell phone, realizes he's about to blow the light, and he screeches to a halt just before sliding across the bar and so I don't have to do any of that. Mm -hmm. So I'm in yellow, I'm, I'm in orange rather, ready to make the jump to red, which mm -hmm. is here's my plan of action, here's my trigger. We didn't hit the trigger. Mm -hmm. Now we go right back to yellow. Right. Right? And so it's a very fluid, very fluid situation. Mm -hmm. um, we'll talk about the last one that got added after you tell me what you were talking about. Yeah, so so I, I threw this out in, in an earlier podcast and, and, and I, I was waiting for a, a, a face to be made by you, but you know, I talked about people walking around in green. Me making faces. Yeah, you making a face. Green. So <clears throat> green is that that 
the yellow mm -hmm. that we should be in. Mm -hmm. That people who understand the Cooper color code mm -hmm. and they understand that they're supposed to be situationally aware mm -hmm. that are walking around that aren't. Oh. So it's it's the it's the ones that, that, that traditionally we would say they're they're in white. But these are the people that, that we know know better. They that they, they, they know better. They'll talk a game, but there's the obviousness that, that they are completely and totally situationally unaware. And in a situation where they they should at least be aware of their surroundings, and they're just not. But they have all their kit. Well, they have all their kit. So so so, so like they have an open carry gun. And they're, they're sitting, and they're sitting with their back. They're they're sitting at the counter of the restaurant mm -hmm. with their back to the whole room with their high point or whatever, maybe a canic, right? <laughs> <laughs> they got a canic. They're hanging it out there because yeah. they want to see if anybody will steal it. Drinking a beer. Drink it. Right? Drinking a beer. Right. But but it, but it's 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 the it's the it's the belief. I, to me, it is the belief that they're aware of their surroundings, with the obviousness that they're they're fully unaware of their surroundings. Like a like a school resource officer who's not wearing any body armor. That, that could be a good one. Yeah, yeah I like that green. Mm -hmm. That's pretty good. When they should be in yellow, mm -hmm. but they're not. Yeah. Because they're fucking hammerheads. All right. So, so what is, what is so the, the last, last one? which was which was not part of Jeff Cooper. Yeah, so, so Jeff Cooper originally didn't come up mm -hmm. with this one. Right. Um and it's black. And black is panic. Black is you are entirely unable to assist in your own defense or do anything. You have vapor locked, you have target fit, whatever it is, you are slack-jawed, glassy-eyed, standing around and unable to do any good. And here's why and how it happens. You can, you can be awake, you can be in bed asleep, mm -hmm. right? Getting REM sleep. So you're in absolute condition white, right? And a weird noise that your brain does not recognize happens in the house. And your eyes snap open and your brain goes, there was a weird noise that we're not used to. Mm -hmm. And you're immediately in condition yellow. Mm-hmm. And then you listen, and then nothing happens, and then you good, you stay in yellow, you fall back asleep, and away you go. Mm -hmm. You can make that move pretty quick. You're in white, you wake up, you go, what the fuck was that? You hear glass break, and you hear something scuffling around downstairs. You've now made the leap from yellow you're well deep into orange mm -hmm. because you've already said we have recognized there is a problem, there is a threat, here's our plan, we're now in the process of enacting the plan. Mm -hmm. The plan is, if we're smart, if we don't have any kids that we got to go rescue, we jump up, grab the gun out of the nightstand, run to the bedroom door, lock the door, mm -hmm. we've already enacted the primary plan, call 911, and away we go. We've gone, we were in white, we came to yellow, we slid quickly through orange, and we got into red. Mm -hmm. Right? Um, you can make the moves pretty quick. You can go from white through yellow pretty quickly into mm -hmm. orange. 
you can go from yellow, slide right through orange, and get into red pretty quick. What you cannot do, nobody is ever able to do, is you should be, you're at the point where you should be in yellow, or you should be in orange, and you're in white. You can't make the direct move from white to red. Right. And so what happens is you overload. And black comes in because it's panic and you pass out and the whole world is black. Um, so so to your, your earlier your your earlier traffic right example, right? You're yeah. you're you're traveling up, lights green, I'm good. Yeah. I, I don't need to worry about I don't really yeah. need to worry about the car. And he this, blows through the light, and by the time you realize he's blown through the light, you yeah. went from I'm good to panic. Yeah. To holy shit, you've locked up mm -hmm. your brakes, mm -hmm. and now instead of, you know, like I said, ride along, ah, you lock up the brakes, and now instead of him catching you on your mm -hmm. rear quarter panel, he's T-boned you. Right. Yeah, because you made a panic move. Um, right. One of the, one of the, best examples of people who were and I'm not throwing rocks at anybody this is this is a observation um, thank God I wasn't there and I, I hope everybody who was there who was capable of being okay is now okay but if you watched any of the video after the first tower came down mm -hmm. right so we have like 35 40 minutes mm -hmm. on 9/11 where the Twin Towers on on fire. Mm -hmm. And there's videos of people standing in the street looking at this building four or five blocks away and it's burning. Mm -hmm. And then it collapses, right? And then you see people wandering through the streets like zombies. Mm -hmm. Wide-eyed, slack-jawed, glassy, incapable of making a decision to get mm -hmm. the fuck out of the roadway. They're just walking. They're in condition black. Mm -hmm. They've overloaded. And I, I I, say that, you know, if you were watching a high-rise building burn, you should probably have gotten the fuck off the street. And I'm not throwing rocks at these people because this is one of those things where, where you go, I can't believe this is happening. Well, that's what leads to panic. But at, at the time, right, there, there was no belief of New Yorkers that one of those that that could have happened sure right so sure. so you go well, from that. so you go from watching this oh my goodness this is horrific to it's coming down and you're right yeah. because the reality is that there was no you know we're, we're going back in, in history so far now right yeah. that there was no belief that this could actually be happening yeah and then suddenly when it starts coming down you're right you go from yeah from watching it burn to oh my god in a in a, in a war zone yeah yeah. Okay. So, yeah. Mm -hmm. So, so Jeff Cooper, um, mm -hmm. creator of the Modern Gunfighter School. If you have, ever, if you've been to Mid South or Chapman Academy or Blackwater or any of these places, if you went to any of those places in the United States and did any training, you owe a you owe a a beer and a thanks to Jeff Cooper and his crew because he's the guy who invented that idea. Because there were plenty of people who had the, had the ability to do it and nobody had done it. He's the guy who was the groundbreaker on that. And then, on top of that, he's the guy who came up with the Cooper color code. And that, that whole concept 
just revolutionized combative mindset for military and law enforcement, yeah. and then of course for civilians. Absolutely. So Absolutely. yeah, so that's kind of where they came from, and it's, and it's pretty cool to, have, you know, you're have part, worked in one of those places. Yeah, you're, you're part of that history. Yeah, right? it's kind of cool. You're, you're part of that history. Yeah. So so guys, thanks. Appreciate you uh, you watching and and bearing with us and. Um, Nobody should have gotten any feelings hurt this week unless unless you're taking credit for Jeff Cooper's work. I'm yeah. Just saying. Yeah. Um, look, uh, all, all works are mostly derivative. So, you know, um, he definitely was, was the innovative yeah. idea. Um, and then everything else is, is, a, is a set of derivative works that, that have built on, built on what he's done. So, yeah. you know, um, stay tuned. Um, and... Quick shout out. Oh, Quick shout yeah. out. Uh, I want to throw a shout out to uh, Mike Breeny at Firearms Performance Enhancements in Virginia Beach. If you've got a firearm and you want to make it better, he's the guy to call. He's the guy who does all the work on our guns. Um, great dude. Great business. If you need it done, Mike can get it done. And if you are in the Baltimore area or Delaware area, uh, anything like that, and you're interested in getting some good training and you don't want to make the hike down to Virginia Beach and hang out with us, I understand that. Check out our buddy Miguel Bosch, Mike Bosch, at guncommander.com. Uh, Mike's a, uh, a former federal agent. I worked with him. Uh, he's a former uh, Border Patrol tactical guy. Great dude. Uh, retired, and he's a patriot, retired uh, commission officer, United States Coast Guard. Good dude. So check out Gun Commander, Firearms Performance Enhancements. Hope you guys had a good time. And uh, thanks for listening to us ramble about Scarlett Johansson. I'll catch you next time. One of the peacekeeping missions, uh-huh. um, I, I remember a, a friend of mine being at the, the change command for the, the theater commander. Yeah. And his proudest, his proudest accomplishment was he lost no soldiers.
And and don't get me wrong. I mean, that's that it's great, but he has spent his entire time as a theater commander keeping everyone inside the wire and we were nothing more than a presence that was in country. Yeah. Right? There was a lot of bad things that had backslid in that region. Mm-hmm. And I don't remember all of the details or, or who it was. And, and you know, but, but it was, again, we're going back to pre-9-11. We're going back to the, the, the 90s. And the mindset was very, very different at that point. And risk averse. I, I can't lose a soldier because that looks bad on me. And you know, we're, we're we're in a different spot now. I mean, it's a, I, I I I never want to lose any soldiers, but at the same time, in order to train for missions, and in order to to do missions, uh, it's it's a dangerous game, right? Yeah. War fighting is a dangerous game. Yeah. And it, right? and it, if you're going to fight like you're trained, mm-hmm. like if you're going to fight like you train, then you're going to have to train like you fight. Mm-hmm. And if you are training the way that you are fighting, it doesn't matter what the training is. Mm-hmm. You have to get out there and get on the edge. Mm-hmm. You know, um, there's there's a reason that these guys who are who are pilots, the guys who mm-hmm. are screaming around over our head right now, right. they're out here doing touch and goes in the dark. In the dark, you know, mm-hmm. with instruments only. Well, that's fucking dangerous. Mm-hmm. But if you're gonna put that thing down in the middle of the night on in the North Atlantic in a rainstorm. You're gonna to have to practice doing you gotta, it, yeah, and practice that. you know you're gonna to have to. Mm-hmm. So much of the training that we do, and, and that's some of the stuff that we we come up with as a as a means of training mm-hmm. at the competitions is, okay, get out of breath, get mm-hmm. your heart rate up, create some fog in your brain, try to confuse yourself, you know, all of that, so that you can recreate the stress to it. So that you can work through the stress, mm-hmm. and also so that you can you can practice doing outside of the box stuff and stuff that's not inherently safe. And 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 I think what you just said is is right. Hit the nail on the head. I, I believe that when we were going through the nineties, and and of course before that, yeah. there was the the confl- the that we conflated unsafe and dangerous yes right and 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 those are those in my mind and and the later part of my career are are two different things oh yeah and number one you you do a risk assessment and you try to get rid of the things that are unsafe yes right but some training there there's a level of inherent danger and you work to minimize that right that's that's the reason why we have the the crazy big risk assessments that we used to do protocols right and and, and I think that's it. I, th- I think one of the things that, that the military has gotten better with mm-hmm. uh, is understanding how to manage that risk. Because don't, don't get me wrong, as I talked about this earlier, you know, putting people in those situations wasn't because I don't care and we should just run around. They, you know, if they die, they die. Not, not, not at all. Right. That that was that was not my uh, that, my point. I'm not looking for angry comments on that. But but it was the fact that. We do have to, we do have to increase the level of risk in order to do that. Going to Desert Storm, yeah. you know, we we engaged in live fire maneuver under live fire, right? As a as a unit, yeah. Right? I'm putting sixty rounds on 
on an objective while I've got my platoon mates, you know, moving in on the objective. And they pop, you know, they pop smoke. I see smoke. We lifted and shifted. But they were running into a hail of friendly fire. Yeah. I look back at that as one of those things that that was, that was, I think, when I was going to Desert Storm, the first time I realized, yeah, we're going to war. Yeah. Because we're we're training, and I can kill people. Yep. Yeah. In, yep. in this training yep. exercise, yep. And, and that's you know, and it was controlled, and, and we sure. did the crawl, we did the walk, we did the run, and there was a lot of controls over that in order to to make sure. Yeah. But you know, because you can't get your concealed weapons permit last weekend. And then this weekend, go start doing building clearing. Live. You shouldn't. Yeah. In your own house when you got home from the movies. Yeah. Should people go to the movies anymore? Yeah, I went. I when went you came back from weekend. your friend's house where you were Netflixing and chilling. I went, I went to, I went to this you past say? weekend. Uh, uh, Ant-Man and Wasp. The Marvel. It came out a long time ago. No, no, no. This is, this is the one that just came out. Oh, this is the one Adrian was talking about. Yeah. It's got Paul Rudd in it. It was actually pretty good. Yeah. He's it was actually pretty good. Yeah, okay. All right. Whatever. I'm not going to talk about it, but it was pretty good. I mean, in the grand scheme of things, they, they, they did a really good job, I think, of with what they had to work with. They did a great job. Yeah. Because so. Scarlett Johansson wasn't in it, was he? No. No. No, she wasn't. All right. So anyway. So, but anyway. Yeah, but so that's what you got to do. So you know, we did. You know, you, you're right. We did run through some stuff. You yes. know, in, in getting from, you know, pre World War Two, right? I mean, yeah. everything was was stand there and arm behind the back and yeah, and out with the pistol. Yeah. Um, you know, we were reading one of the the monographs that that, that we'd gotten that was talking about the bullet weight or bullet size and mm -hmm. caliber and all that. Yeah. And, you know, it was shortly thereafter World War II, the Army went back and reintroduced or, or introduced um, for their rifle qualifications and actually a um, qualification that actually re required some, some skill yeah. in, in different, in different, um, not just a test, different terrains, right? Yeah. yeah, it was, you know, you know using, um, Using barricades and uh, you know there's rubble piles and, and, and you know, mm -hmm. firing from from different types of obstacles mm -hmm. um, and of course you know they did away with that because it was it was hard right? yes right and it became hard to do that so we fall back to here's a here's a defensive fighting position foxhole right and here go lay on the ground right and and the army's now reintroduced you know a, yeah. a you know a prescriptive set of 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 qualifications that requires you to show competency over different types of yeah. skills. But, you know, but I think you're right. Looking back at, at the evolution of some of those schools, bringing, you know, and of course, Jeff Cooper was more towards some law enforcement and, and those yeah. types of aspects. Yeah. Right? So. But it, because, well, so when he got started, mm -hmm. It was one of those ideas that was a revolutionary idea, and so right. you had a lot of folks in the in the law enforcement community, not the military community, but the law enforcement community, said, "Hey, this is kind of a good idea." So people started coming up, and of course, back then also, that's when 
IPSC mm-hmm. and USPSA and IDPA all got started. Mm-hmm. And so you had all these cops and, and, and former military people who were out there shooting competitions. Mm-hmm. So there was there was a, a huge... Obviously, I don't think there were more people shooting competitions then, but I think there was a greater percentage of the population was doing it. Because a greater, popu- well, greater pop- percentage of the population had been in the military. Well, and you had the CMP... Yeah, right? yeah, yeah. That, that was the big yeah. rise of the CMP yeah. during during that that, yep. that phase as well. So yeah. that was the come shooting CMP and you do enough and here yeah, we'll, we'll give you we'll, we'll give, give you an M one. We'll give you a grand. <laughs> you, get, yeah. you get a grand for shooting. Yeah, but so uh, mm-hmm. so those schools came out and then because we should be an armed population. Yes, we should right? be. That was that was we the should gov- be we should be a, the we should be a well trained armed the population. So like, national program, right? So then. So that would be like if they gave away semi-automatic M16s. Oh, AR-15s. So the government said you should have the same guns that the soldiers have. Mm -hmm. And here you can have one. Right. In fact, if you come shoot enough, you can have a bunch of them. Right. Right. You can have more more than one. Yep. Absolutely. Yep. Because my how things have changed. Because because you could arm your whole block. You could. You right. Could. And then you so, could get on Eisenhower's brand new interstate and go anywhere <laughs> you need to defeat the communists. That's right. Ah, <sighs> not a good old days. That was the good old days. That, that was the good old days. Okay, so so that was a rabbit hole. That was a rabbit. So hole. so we'll, we we saw Alice. We did. We chased her around a little bit. Let, yeah. Let's let's come back up. All right. Um, but back to Jeff Cooper. Yes. All right. So Jeff Cooper. What most people know Jeff Cooper for is... The Cooper Color Code, right? Mm-hmm. He's the guy who came up with that. Um, and that's one of the big things that um, that Gunsight was about was not just the mechanics of it, mm-hmm. but it was also the whole mindset about being a gunfighter. Mm-hmm. So he came up with the Cooper Color Code, and the Cooper Color Code stayed like it was, I want to say, until the, like the late 70s, early 80s. Mm-hmm. And I forget who it was. If... I don't know this is a fact, and if I'm giving credit to the wrong guy, uh, I hope the right guy doesn't get mad and want to punch me in the face. It was a long time ago. Yeah, but I want to say maybe Masada Yub had something to do with this. I think so. Um, But anyway. What was the the original? So the original one was white, yellow, orange, and red, right? Um, Which makes sense when you figure these are jarhead because you wouldn't have worried about panic um so white of course being absolutely at rest not knowing what's going on and being oblivious to your surroundings right um which is where the vast majority of people find themselves and the nice thing about the color code is that it's applicable to everything it's applicable to driving down the Mm -hmm. road certainly applicable to carrying a gun for defensive purposes or, or for offensive purposes um so you've got white which is right there you know curled up on the couch watching Yellowstone with your favorite bourbon mm-hmm. um, with your with your young lady on your arm. Then you've got yellow. And yellow is just the baseline. It's you're aware that there there's the potential for problems, right? Mm-hmm. You get in your car and you drive down the interstate, you go, okay, there could be an idiot on his cell phone. 
So mm-hmm. I need to watch out for that. We generally we live in yellow, right? Outside the house, that's that's that's. The, we should. We should. The vast majority uh, of people you know do what? not. You you finish you finish, and I, I have a I have a I have a different addition to the, yeah. the color code. That, yeah. Uh, go ahead. So 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 you've got yellow, which is just being aware that there could be problems out there, mm-hmm. and then so you recognize there could be problems, so I should be aware of that. Mm-hmm. Right. Um, and then you move into orange. And orange is when you've determined that there is a likely problem. There's a likely threat. There's a likely issue. And you decide then primary, secondary, tertiary plan. And you figure what your trigger point is. Right? So um, when I was a cop, what they said was, so when you're in 7-Eleven getting your coffee, and the guy comes in and it's July in Virginia and he's wearing a coat, a big heavy coat, and he's looking around and he's all sketchy. Then you go, oh, this is something. And you go from yellow while I'm there getting my coffee to orange. This guy could be a problem. And if he becomes a problem, then I'm going to do this. Realistically, I think probably a better analogy is you're driving down some road that you're familiar with. Mm -hmm. And you're coming up on an intersection that you're familiar with that people blow that light all the time. Mm -hmm. So you go, okay, I'm coming up to the intersection of whatever, Independence Mm -hmm. and Virginia Beach Boulevard. And I know that they have a tendency to run that light. So I'm going to go all the way through the intersection. So I'm going to start watching the cross street as I come up. And I see that there's a car coming and he's moving quick. And I go, okay. Look around and I go, all right. If he doesn't get on his brakes and stop, if he runs through the intersection, because I've got a green light, if he runs, I'm going to get in the left-hand lane and lock up my brakes and hope that he goes past me. If I get there before he does and he blows through the stop bar, then I'm going to get in the left-hand lane, create some space, get on the gas, haul ass through, and hopefully he'll go behind me. Mm-hmm primary and secondary plan. And then he looks up from his cell phone, realizes he's about to roll the light, and he screeches to a halt just before sliding across the bar. And so I don't have to do any of that. Mm-hmm. So I'm in yellow, I'm, I'm in orange rather, ready to make the jump to red, which mm-hmm. is, here's my plan of action, here's my trigger. We didn't hit the trigger. Mm-hmm. Now we go right back to yellow. Right. Right? And so it's a very fluid, very fluid situation. Mm-hmm. Um, we'll talk about the last one that got added after you tell me what you were talking about. Yeah. So, so I, I threw this out in, in an earlier podcast, and and, and I, I was waiting for a, a a face to be made by you, but you know I talked about people walking around in green. Me making faces. Yeah, you making a face. Green. So, <clears throat> green is that that. The yellow mm-hmm. that we should be in mm-hmm. that people who understand the Cooper color code mm-hmm. and they understand that they're supposed to be situationally aware mm-hmm. that are walking around that aren't oh. so it's it's the it's the ones that, that that traditionally we would say they're they're in white but these are the people that that we know know better. They that they 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 know better. They'll talk a game, but there is the obviousness that that they are completely and totally situationally unaware, and in a situation where they they should at least be aware of their surroundings, and they're just not. But they have all their kit. Well, they have all their kit. So 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 the... so like they have an open carry gun. And they're, they, sitting, and they're sitting with their back 
They're they're sitting at the counter of the restaurant mm-hmm. with their back to the whole room with their high point or whatever. Maybe a canic, right? <laughs> <laughs> they got a canic. They're hanging it out there because yeah. they want to see if anybody will steal it. Drinking a beer. Drink it. Right? Drinking a beer. Right. But but it, but it's 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 the it's the it's the belief. Uh, it, to me, it is the belief that they're aware of their surroundings, with the obviousness that they're they're fully unaware of their surroundings. Like a like a school resource officer who's not wearing any body armor. That, that could be a good one. Yeah. yeah, I like that green. Mm-hmm. That's pretty good. When they should be in yellow, mm-hmm. but they're not. Yeah, because they're fucking hammerheads. All right. So, so what? Is, what is so the, the last, last one? Which was which was not part of Jeff Cooper. Yeah. So, so Jeff Cooper originally didn't come up mm-hmm. with this one. Right. Um, and it's black. And black is panic. Black is you are entirely unable to assist in your own defense or do anything. You have vapor locked. You have target fit. Whatever it is, you are slack jawed, glassy eyed, standing around and unable to do any good. And here's why and how it happens. You can, you can be awake, you can be in bed asleep, mm-hmm. right? Getting REM sleep. So you're in absolute condition white, right? And a weird noise that your brain does not recognize happens in the house. And your eyes snap open and your brain goes, there was a weird noise that we're not used to. Mm-hmm. And you're immediately in condition yellow. Mm-hmm. And then you listen, and then nothing happens. And then you good, you stay in yellow, you fall back asleep, and away you go. Mm -hmm. You can make that move pretty quick. You're in white, you wake up, you go, what the fuck was that? You hear glass break, and you hear something scuffling around downstairs. You've now made the leap from yellow you're well deep into orange mm-hmm. because you've already said we have recognized there is a problem, there is a threat. Here's our plan. We're now in the process of enacting the plan. Mm-hmm. The plan is if we're smart, if we don't have any kids that we got to go rescue, we jump up, grab the gun out of the nightstand, run to the bedroom door, lock the door. Mm-hmm. We've already enacted the primary plan, call 911, and away we go. We've gone, we were in white, we came to yellow, we slid quickly through orange, and we got into red. Mm-hmm. Right? Um, you can make the moves pretty quick. You can go from white through yellow pretty quickly into mm-hmm. orange. You can go from yellow, slide right through orange, and get into red pretty quick. What you cannot do, nobody's ever able to do is you should be, you're at the point where you should be in yellow or you should be in orange and you're in white. You can't make the direct move from white to red. Right. And so what happens is you overload and black comes in because it's panic and you pass out and the whole world is black. Um, so so to your, your earlier, your, your earlier traffic, Right example, right? You're yeah. you're you're traveling up, lights green, I'm good. Yeah. I, I don't need to worry about I don't really yeah. need to worry about the car. And he it's, blows through the light and by the time you realize he's blown through the light, 
You yeah. went from I'm good to panic. Yeah. To holy shit, you've locked up mm-hmm. your brakes. Mm-hmm. And now instead of, you know, like you said, ride along. Ah! You lock up the brakes. And now instead of him catching you on your mm-hmm. rear quarter panel, he's T-boned you. Right. Yeah, because you made a panic move. Um, right. One of the One of the best examples of people who were... And I'm not throwing rocks at anybody. This is, this is a observation. Um, thank God I wasn't there, and I, I hope everybody who was there, who was capable of being okay, is now okay. But if you watched any of the video after the first tower came down, mm-hmm. right? So we have like 35, 40 minutes mm-hmm. on 9/11, where the twin towers on on fire, mm-hmm. and. There's videos of people standing in the street looking at this building four or five blocks away and it's burning. Mm-hmm. And then it collapses, right? And then you see people wandering through the streets like zombies. Mm-hmm. Wide-eyed, slack-jawed, glassy, incapable of making a decision to get mm-hmm. the fuck out of the roadway. They're just walking. They're in condition black. Mm-hmm. They've overloaded. And I, I I, say that, you know, if you were watching a high-rise building burn, you should probably have gotten the fuck off the street. And I'm not throwing rocks at these people because this is one of those things where, where you go, I can't believe this is happening. Well, that's what leads to panic. But at, at the time, right, there, there was no belief of New Yorkers that one of those that that could have happened sure right so sure. so you go well, from that. so you go from watching this oh my goodness this is horrific to it's coming down and you're right yeah. because the reality is that there was no you know we're, we're going back in, in history so far now right yeah. that there was no belief that this could actually be happening yeah and then suddenly when it starts coming down you're right you go from yeah from watching it burn to oh my god in a in a, in a war zone yeah yeah. Okay. So, yeah. Mm-hmm. So, so Jeff Cooper, um, mm-hmm. creator of the Modern Gunfighter School. If you have, ever, if you've been to Mid South or Chapman Academy or Blackwater or any of these places, if you went to any of those places in the United States and did any training, you owe a you owe a a beer and a thanks to Jeff Cooper and his crew because he's the guy who invented that idea. Because there were plenty of people who had the, had the ability to do it and nobody had done it. He's the guy who was the groundbreaker on that. And then, on top of that, he's the guy who came up with the Cooper Color Code. And that, that whole concept just revolutionized combative mindset for military and law enforcement. Yeah. And then, of course, for civilians. Absolutely. So, Absolutely. Yeah. so that's kind of where they came from. And it's, and it's pretty cool to have, you know... You're have part, worked in one of those places. Yeah, you're, you're part of that history. Yeah, right? it's kind of cool. You're, you're part of that history. Yeah, so so guys, thanks. Appreciate you uh, you watching and and bearing with us. And um, nobody should have gotten any feelings hurt this week unless unless you're taking credit for Jeff Cooper's work. I'm yeah, just saying. Yeah. Um, look, uh, all all works are mostly derivative. So, you know, um, he definitely was was the innovative yeah. idea. Um, and then everything else is, is, a, is a set of derivative works that, that have built on, built on what he's done. So, yeah. you know, um, stay tuned um, and 
quick shout out. Oh, quick shout yeah. out. Uh, I want to throw a shout out to uh, Mike Brini at Firearms Performance Enhancements in Virginia Beach. If you've got a firearm and you want to make it better, he's the guy to call. He's the guy who does all the work on our guns. Um, great dude, great business. If you need it done, Mike can get it done. And if you are in the Baltimore area or Delaware area, uh, anything like that, and you're interested in getting some good training and you don't want to make the hike down to Virginia Beach and hang out with us, I understand that. Check out our buddy Miguel Bosch, Mike Bosch, at guncommander.com. Uh, Mike's a, uh, a former federal agent. I worked with him. Uh, he's a former uh, Border Patrol tactical guy. Great dude. Uh, retired, and he's a patriot, retired uh, commission officer, United States Coast Guard. Good dude. So check out Gun Commander and Firearms Performance Enhancements. Hope you guys had a good time. And uh, thanks for listening to us ramble about Scarlett Johansson. All right, catch you next time. I think Scarlett Johansson is going to be on the show. <laughs>